Morning, everybody. How we doing? Everybody ready for today? I'm excited. Uh, it's a great day to be at Refuge Church. Uh, we've got baptisms, and I'm just excited to see people take that next step of faith. Uh, uh, that's really what we've been talking about. We're in week four uh, of our series, Swing. Uh, we've got two goals for this series. We've talked about it every single week. We're going to talk about it again today. Uh, uh, the first one is we'd like you to take that next step in your faith. Uh, whatever that is for your next step, that you would take it. And the second thing is that you would swing for the fences in your faith, that you would go Grand Canyon on it, that you would go big. Uh, not because you've got it together, and not because I've got it together, because we don't, but because our God is that awesome. Uh, and full disclosure, I have a specific next step for everybody in here. When you walked in and you sat down, there was an invite card uh, for our Christmas Eve candlelight service. Held it upside down. Would you pick that up real quick and hold it up high? I want to see it. Uh, and this is one of those awkward moments where like the teacher will wait for you and like just kind of shame you and look at you. So if you would hold that up for me, that would be great. Everybody got one? All right, I see it, I see it. There we go. I think we're there. I'm waiting. All right, do I have to look at some of you right now? Okay, all right. Hey, if you got one of these, awesome. Now say this with me. Hold it up and say, I will. I want some conviction. We're going to try that again. I will invite someone to this. All right, thank you. You can put that down. Hey, here's the truth. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. There are two times of the year uh, where people are more inclined to check out church. Uh, that's Christmas and Easter. So make the most of this season uh, by offering a personal invitation uh, to somebody to join you at church. Uh, you never know. It could change someone's life. And that's what we're all about here at Refuge. So uh, to hop back to our series, uh, we've been going through the book of Hebrews, specifically chapter 11. And Hebrews 11 is uh, often referred to as uh, the hall of faith, all right? And it shows this list of people who had great faith, and God worked through them in uh, a mighty way. And I think, uh, here's the thing, when we uh, see people that God has done amazing and these uh, crazy big things through, um, it, instead of it encouraging us, sometimes what it does is it makes us shrink back a little bit. Like we think, that's awesome for them, but I, I could never do what they did. And I think the reason for that is we put this emphasis on their faith instead of the object of their faith. And let me give you an example of this. Uh, if this water right here uh, was ice, had six inches of ice on the top, which uh, it says it's 100 degrees right now, so they're going to be very comfortable when they get baptized later. Okay? But just bear with me. If this had six inches of ice on the top of it, uh, and I stepped out onto it, that six inches of ice would hold me, right? It, it doesn't matter if I stepped out onto that shaking and trembling. Uh, it, it, as long as I have faith, enough faith to take that step, it's going to hold me because it's six inches thick. Uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't hold me up because of my faith. It holds me up because that's how strong it is. My faith in the ice doesn't make it any stronger or any weaker. Uh, if you look at it the other way, if we had a half an inch of ice on there, and I come up absolutely confident that that's going to hold me. Guess what? I'm going to get wet. I'm falling right through it. It's not our faith that gives us strength. It's the object of our faith that gives us strength. So be encouraged that as Jesus followers, the object of our faith is him. And he will never fail you. He can handle the weight that you're carrying. Uh, it's not our faith that gives us strength. It's who our faith is in that gives us strength. And your faith is enough because Jesus is enough. Uh, he said, Jesus said it this way in Matthew 17, verse 20. Whew. 
All right, a little delay there, but we got it, got it. I'll, I'll, I'll be better next time. Uh, say that yellow part out loud with me when we get there, okay? Whoa, okay. Jesus told him, I tell you the truth, if you had even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. It says if you move, uh, you could move mountains if you had faith as small as a mustard seed. Uh, Small mustard seed-sized faith is enough. That's what's amazing about, about God. That's what's amazing about Jesus is that with our little, it is more than enough when it is in Christ. And so today we're going to look at the story of Noah. And instead of focusing on the differences between him and you, I want you to focus on the constant. I want you to focus on the same thing that Noah has that you have. You both serve the same God. So don't be discouraged uh, be encouraged that, that the same God who did this work through Noah is the same God who can do a work through you. Uh, before we dive in uh, to Hebrews 11, let's, let's pray today. Uh, God, as we, as we open your word, would you uh, help us to have ears that are ready to listen? Help, open our hearts. Help us to receive uh, what you have for us in your word today. Help us to remove distractions and to be focused on you and you alone. Uh, give us tender hearts and fill this place with your spirit. We ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Like I said, we're gonna be looking at Noah today. And so here's what uh, it says about Noah in Hebrews 11. He's just got one verse in Hebrews 11, but it says this, Hebrews 11, verse seven, uh, it was by that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about the things that had never happened. This is a two-slider, sorry. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. And so it talks about Noah there. Um, if you come from a, a church background, uh, you might have some familiarity with Noah. If you don't come from a church background, you also might have uh, some familiarity with Noah's story. Uh, Noah, Noah's Ark, the flood, all the animals. Uh, there's some of you here, and your primary background is going to be uh, Sunday school and church. And so when it comes to Noah, you're thinking of flannel graph, all right? Uh, and there's others who are here, and, and you maybe didn't grow up in church, didn't come from a church background, and you think of a Russell Crowe movie, all right? And you think about that. What I want us to do is to go back and look at the story of Noah uh, from the perspective that God has given us. To not give you my perspective, but to give you the perspective we get from Scripture. So what we're going to do is we're going to go back to Genesis and hit some of the high parts uh, of this story. We're going to start in Genesis 6, uh, verse 9. says this, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at that time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. It says he was the only blameless person living on the earth. And that he walked in close fellowship with God. I wonder if there's a connection there uh, between walking closely with God and living a blameless Life. I, think, I think there's something there. Let's, let's keep going. We're going to hop to verse 11 here. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world, for everyone on the earth was corrupt. The, the, the world wasn't in a good spot. Right, it said that everything had become corrupt. There was violence everywhere, and everything was corrupt. And so God tells Noah... He is going to destroy 
all the corruption. And what Noah needs to do is to build a boat to spare his, his family. And so in English, when we read this word in our Bibles, uh, we read the word boat uh, or ark, just kind of depending on the translation that you're reading. Uh, but here's what's interesting. In the original language, uh, in other places, the same word uh, is translated as, uh, some places it's translated as a box. Uh, other places, it's like a basket. It's the same thing that it used to describe uh, Moses when he's put in a basket and sent down the river uh, and caught in the, the reeds there. And then in other places, it's used to describe a coffin. Okay, uh, so we think boat, but this is actually talking about he tells Noah to build this box or this basket or uh, this coffin. He says, so build this and it's gonna protect you. And when God first tells him this, he doesn't tell him that there's a flood coming. That comes down a little later. Uh, so to others, what this would be is God told Noah to build a coffin. And so uh, what others would think is Noah's co- that would be Noah's coffin. Like he is losing his mind. Uh, and what's crazy is what other people think he's losing his mind about building this box, building this coffin, actually ends up being Noah's salvation. Noah doesn't know how this box will save him at first, uh, but we see that it does because he has faith. He doesn't pause saying, I don't understand. I'm not going to do this. Just faith. He has faith in his God that his God will provide a way. And so what happens is God gives Noah the specs for uh, the box, and uh, Noah gets to work. Uh, it says this in Genesis 6, uh, 22. So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. So he gets the specs for the box. He's like, all right, I'm going to do it. Uh, and he, he builds it exactly the way that God had commanded to it's estimated that it took somewhere between uh, 50 to 75 years for Noah to complete the box. And this is before power tools. Uh, and he is building a giant wooden box uh, that's roughly, it's not exact, but it's pretty close to two-thirds the size of the Titanic. Uh, we tried putting together a treehouse with me, my brother, my dad, and all of our kids. Um, Noah's doing this. It's a family project. It's him and his sons. That's why it took so long, okay? It takes a little bit of work. Uh, There would be a lot of next steps to do there. It's not just going to happen. And if you were to put yourself into his shoes for just a second, imagine that you're working on building this this box, building this boat uh, for 50 years, and you're doing it on dry land. And people are looking at you like, you're crazy. You're losing it. What are you doing? you think water is just going to fall from the sky? Like, what a waste of time. Like, it's, it's believed that it's never rained before this time. Like, that's not how God has operated on the earth at this point. Uh, so they, like, literally can't imagine that it's going to rain. Like, imagine that's never happened. Water is just going to fall from the sky? This is a crazy deal. What a waste of time. Can you, 50 years of people questioning you, 50 years of people doubting you, saying you're crazy, you're losing it, what are you doing? You're ruining everything. But Noah stayed the course. Again, later on it says he did everything exactly as God commanded him. I just want to tell you, don't let other people discourage you from taking the next steps God has called you to. Don't let other people discourage you from doing what you know God has called you to. Proverbs 29, 25, it's not on screen, I just got it here, but it says fearing people is a dangerous trap. Fearing people, worrying about what other people think, that's a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means Safety. Be more concerned what God thinks than what the people around you think. 
be more concerned about what God thinks than what the people around you think. And so if we keep going here, we're going to fast forward a little bit, and the, the flood comes. Uh, this is all in Genesis 6, 7, 8, and 9. So if you want to go get nitty-gritty and get in there this week, that's where it's at. Uh, we're going to fast forward. The, the flood comes. God sends uh, the animals to the ark. Noah and his family are in the ark. It says it rains for 40 days. Uh, there's a massive flood. And some people would say, oh, yeah, it's 40 days, and they get out. Well, it's 40 days of rain, and that's how long the flood took. Uh, it, some people say they're in there nearly a year uh, for the water to come down. And so that's where we're going to hop back in. Uh, and so in chapter 9, uh, they leave the ark. Uh, everything had rescinded, so it's chapter 9, verse 1 there. Then God blessed Noah and his sons and told them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Fill the earth. Remember what God said at the beginning, that the earth was corrupt and that it was full of sin. And that Noah was the only blameless one. And now he's saying, hey, go and fill the earth with righteousness. Go and fill the earth with right things. Go and fill the earth with things that honor God. That's what he's telling them. I've got rid of all the evil. Now I want you to fill it up with good things. And, and then, he, then he makes a promise. You guys have probably heard this part before. This is part that everybody talks about. And in verse 11 it says, yes, I am confirming my covenant with you. Never again will floodwaters kill all living creatures. Never again will the flood destroy the earth. Then God said, I am giving you a sign of my covenant with you and with all living creatures for all generations to come. All generations to come. That, that means us too. Uh, verse 13, I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. It is the sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. So I don't know if you caught that. God gives us a promise there. He gives this promise to Noah, and he gives it to us. He said, I will never destroy the earth uh, with a flood. And every time any of us see a rainbow in the sky, uh, we have evidence of that same promise. It's kind of cool that we get to see the evidence of that even today. Even today, we get to see that. And what I want to do now is if, if we zoom out, if we look at the, the story of Noah with, with a wide lens, it looks eerily similar to what we're going to celebrate today. God looked out, and he saw corruption and sin, and he, and he did something about it. And in the beginning, in Genesis 6, it says that Noah was the only righteous and blameless man living on earth. And so God sends judgment on the earth. He gets rid of all the corruption and sin. He spares Noah and his family because of his righteousness. Noah's family is saved. And after the earth, he told Noah uh, to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, fill the earth with righteousness, fill the earth with doing good things. God removed the evil from the earth, and then they had a fresh start. Uh, things would be made new. And here's what that looks like, very similar here. Uh, God looked out and saw that sin had become prevalent again. They had entered the world, that it was here, and that we needed a way to defeat sin. We needed a way to connect with God. And this time, instead of God sending a flood to get rid of the sin, this time he sent his son, Jesus. That's what the Christmas season is all about, right? That the Messiah has come, that Jesus came as a baby, and then he grew into a man. He lived a perfect life, and then our, our world, they, they crucified him on a cross, and they killed him. And then three days later, he rose from the grave, giving us a way to be made right with God, a way to be made new. And so today, as we're celebrating uh, baptism, that is a picture of what Jesus has done for us. Uh, not one of us is perfect, uh, self-included. We have all missed the mark. Uh, unlike Noah, we're not blameless before God. But there was one who is blameless, uh, who God said was holy, and it was his son, Jesus. 
And because Jesus loved us, he took the punishment that God says we deserve. And he died on the cross for the, as the punishment for our sins. And then three days later, he rose again. And the resurrection, that's what we cling to as believers. That Jesus paid the price for our sins and that that allows us to be made new. That, that our former self is dead. That we are made new in Christ. We're covered in his righteousness. So that when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin. He sees Jesus and he sees Jesus' righteousness. See, the story of Noah is, is a baptism of sorts. Uh, God covered uh, the evil that was on the earth, and he gave the earth a fresh start. And Jesus covers us with our sin. He covers it with his righteousness, and he makes us new. Here in just a few moments, we've got some baptisms that are going to happen. Uh, and there's some, there's some misconceptions about baptisms. Uh, there's this one quote I heard from Sam Houston uh, uh, Sam Houston was about to be baptized in a river. Uh, before he was baptized, uh, he was told, hey, this water is going to wash away your sins, right? Uh, and Sam Houston had a, he had some red in his ledger, if you're, you're smelling what I'm stepping in, all right? He had done some things that he wasn't proud of. Uh, and so when he was told that this water would wash away his sins, uh, he said, I feel bad for the fish, Right, right. Uh, perhaps he took it a bit too literal. Uh, baptism isn't what removes our sins, but it is a picture of what Jesus has done for us. That, that Jesus died on the cross, and then he was raised to new life. Baptism isn't something that saves you. It's a symbol of what has saved you. And I want everybody to know that this is a symbol uh, because uh, a symbol is only helpful if you know what it means. Like, like my wedding ring is a symbol. It's a symbol that I've made a covenant to my wife that I will be there for her for better and for worse. Uh, I didn't wear a wedding ring before the wedding, right? That would be an empty symbol. Now, there isn't any meaning to a ring without the fulfillment of vows. And at the same time, if uh, the symbol is broken, if I wear this wedding ring and then I don't live a life that shows that commitment, right? The, the wedding ring is symbolic. And if you're not living out the commitment to that symbol, that symbol loses its power. Baptism is a symbol. It's an event that we point to as believers to say, I have accepted Jesus, and now in front of all my friends and all my family, I'm gonna go public with what I believe about him. I believe that he loves me, that he died on the cross for me, that he rose again, giving me freedom from, from the power of sin. So uh, if we got baptized and we didn't know Jesus, it'd be a lot like wearing a wedding ring without a wedding, right? It doesn't make sense. Uh, everybody getting baptized today is doing, doing so to show that their faith is already in Jesus, that their faith is in him and the finished work of the cross. Right? Uh, if you are getting baptized this morning, this is your cue, all right? That's your cue, all right? Had to make it very clear. We've got some young ones getting baptized, right? That, that's their cue. Uh, now, uh, before we continue to move on there, uh, if you're here, and as we've been talking uh, about baptism, maybe you felt a little, a little tug of the Spirit. Uh, maybe you need to be baptized. Uh, maybe you, you're following Jesus, but uh, you've never been baptized. Or, may, or maybe you were, you were baptized like a really long time ago, but you didn't understand uh, what you were doing, uh, and, and you weren't following Jesus. Maybe you did it so that mom and dad would be happy, uh, or so that this pastor would be happy. Uh, if you're here today, uh, and you have accepted Jesus, and you're like, you know what, I haven't been baptized, 
uh, I, I, maybe I was baptized, but it wasn't the right way. Uh, can I just say, let's do it. The water's warm, right? Come on in. It's fine. Uh, if you're here today and you haven't been baptized, we want to offer that invitation for you. Let's do it. Uh, we have room for you. And if, if I was in your shoes, I'd be sitting there thinking, well, I don't, I don't have any clothes. Like, what am I going to wear? Uh, guess what? We've got clothes. Uh, we got shorts. We got shirt. Uh, we got towels. We've even got underwear for you. All right, like, we've got everything set up. All right. Uh, and then the other part of you, some of you guys, like, you won't tell the waiter when they mess up your order because, like, you don't want to be a burden. Uh, and you're like, hey, I just don't want to hold anybody up. I don't want, I don't want to make anybody wait on me. Uh, Refuge Church, if someone wants to get baptized, we're going to wait on them. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I don't want to talk anyone in here into taking a, a step. Uh, but if God is moving and you want to take that next step and you want to get baptized... Uh, in the back, we're going to have uh, Ryan. He's back there holding a card in the corner. Uh, if you want to get baptized, just go talk to him. And, and he is going to get you taken care of. He's going to make it happen. Uh, and, he, and here's the deal. We're going to sing a song here in just a minute. Uh, but there is always going to be a next step for your faith. It might not be baptism. Maybe it is baptism. Whatever it is, there is always going to be a next step, step for your faith. Your faith is a lot like skiing. Right? Uh, when you go skiing, you're either going up the lift or you're going down the slopes. Uh, standing still really isn't an option. Uh, it's like fighting gravity. Eventually, you're going to start to go down. Whatever's going on in your life, you need to take that next step to keep your faith moving forward. If that's baptism, we would love to celebrate that with you this morning. Uh, go see Ryan in the back. If that's not, I want you to ponder and think about as we sing this song, what does it look like for me to take my next step in my faith journey? to not slide down, but to continue to move forward. So let's, let's stand and worship as we prepare for baptisms. <laughs>